win in the end, and, and we get to be children of him. And it's just so important to remember that, that no matter what's going on around us, he is in control. So let me pray for us, and then we will sing songs uh, of worship to him. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a present God, and you are a God who is in control. You allow certain things to happen, God, but we know that ultimately you will triumph over evil, and that we know that you love us, and you sent your son for us. So I pray that this morning you would lead us, lead us into a time of surrendering, lead us into a time of just worship of you, our true king, our God, and that no matter what we do, God, we will always trust in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good, you're good, oh, when you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, when you are good, you're good, oh. Let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days, oh, he is my song. You are good. You're good, oh, when you are good, you're good, oh, when you are good, you're good, oh, when you are good, you're good, oh, you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. And you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Sing again, church, you're never gonna let. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. And you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. And you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Sing out, church, you are good. You are good, you're good. Oh, when you are good, you're good. Oh, when you are 
church, you are good. Oh, you are good. You good. Oh, when you are good. You good. Oh, when you are good. You good. Oh, when you are good. You good. I am chosen. 
I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. One more time, church. I am chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house. In my Father's house. There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. You know, church, um, there are some times where you don't expect certain things to happen, and God bless you in, in, in ways. Um, this morning, for those who are watching on our live stream, you guys can't, can't see it, but we have all of the next generation sitting in front of us. And um, I don't know if it's different now that I'm a dad, <laughs> but um, hearing it is just something that I don't, I, I can't really explain. <laughs> Because, you know, we all sing loud, we all like singing, but seeing this and hearing this is just, um, is just totally different for me. And it's emotional, and knowing that, you know what, no matter what, how bad we think it's getting, look what God's doing. God's bringing them up, and man, whew, it's great. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> it's, um, I just want to encourage you with that, because uh, this is a... Uh, this is something I didn't expect at all, and, um, and I'm loving it. So uh, let's just continue to worship together. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages 
step down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross is spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. And Jesus Christ, my living hope. Sing out hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Sing it again. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me and then came that morning then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declare the grave has no claim on me jesus yours is the victory. Let's sing out, church. Hallelujah. Praise the one. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living Sing one more time, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Father God, we thank you so much for the blessings that we don't even know are coming, God. You are a good father.
and we know that. I thank you so much just for this morning, for this time of worship, for the subtle reminders, God, that you are still here. You are God. How important that is, Lord, in today's world. We thank you so much, and we just continue to worship you and praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Take a moment to say good morning and greet one another in the name of the Lord. What's that? <laughs> what are you guys doing? Good morning, church. The kids, good morning. <laughs> um, my name is Alyssa. I'm in charge of the children's ministry. So last week, um, I wasn't here, and uh, a few of the kids were missing. So I know it was pastor appreciation. <laughs> and we had something special <laughs> planned for pastor. So we didn't want to lose that opportunity. And Claudia, if you can come up with him. <laughs> um, we just have a gift for you, too. Oh, uh, goodness. We just wanted to share a little something uh, that the kids made, and I know that Angela spoke to them about your job as a pastor and what that means in a church with them last week, so um, they just wanted to give you, recite something for you. Oh, good. P is for the preacher God called you to be. Mercy. A is, A is for the... Um, Anointing gifted to you to minister with his leading. Beautiful. S is for shepherd appointed to lead God's flock. O is for being a heart of compliance, submission to him. R is for righteousness, by which you live and are blessed. Amen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and we, we just made you Lego, they're Lego coffee mugs. Oh, that's um, great. <laughs> responsible if you drink your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call me. Um, and just because it symbolizes um, that you are a piece um, of the Children's Foundation, both of you, for uh, their foundation, you know, of Jesus Christ. So, but you, you're, you play such a, a part in it, and you're a piece of that 
Uh, so the Lego represents that, and I heard your favorite coffee. Uh, Miss Angela picked that up for us and put it in here as well. And then there's a magnet um, that you can use, and it says, good days start with coffee and Jesus. Amen, amen, we'll take it. We appreciate you guys, and we love you, okay? Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, guys. Lord bless you. Thank you. This is wonderful. And you can keep the card. Thank you so much. This is so special. Uh, you, can we give them another round of applause? Thank you. You guys are Lord bless you. Thank you. You did a great job. Thank you. This is great. Yeah, come on. That must be your son right there, Andrew. He won. He wants the mic. Well, what a blessing, right? Praise the Lord. What a great time of being able to, to sing songs to Jesus and just hear our voices, what beautiful voices you all have. And there is some, I love to say this, but there is something special about getting together and doing what we call corporate worship, where we, we lift our voices to God together. And it is something very special. And I think it's just a little taste of heaven, isn't it? of what it's going to be like for all eternity, about worshiping the Lord together and, and raising up our voices as one. And, so, and then to just hear the, the kids singing up front, as, as Steve was, was uh, pointing out, it's wonderful. And what a, a welcome surprise that was. What a blessing. And um, we love our kids, and uh, we are uh, committed to the next generation. And when we talk about discipleship, it's really what it's all about. You know, when we when we say that here at Trinity, we, we love to talk about learning and growing and serving. It's about the fact that we're doing that together because that's what the Lord Jesus calls us to do. But, but then we do what the Psalms tell us and that we commend all those wonderful works of the mighty God to the next generation. And um, we don't ever want to take them for granted. And so we love them and we're so thankful for them. And so can we just pray for them right now? See, just thanking God for what they did and then down the hall learning and growing and serving together. Father, well, God, what a, a morning it's been so far. And we love to worship you, God, in so many ways, especially through song. But Lord, how, um, how touched we are. We thank you, God, for blessing our hearts, blessing me and, and Claudia this morning with that beautiful um, surprise. But Lord, we are blessed to be in the midst of the next generation of uh, our young children who, um, who have a heart and a desire and a passion to learn more about you. And Father, this world needs more of Jesus, and Father, they are going to represent you. And so help us, Lord God, to, um, to teach them well, to help them to learn your word and, uh, and to grow in their faith and trust in you as they go to be servants to this world that is in need of hope. But Father, we just ask a special blessing on them now and their teachers as they're down the hall just learning and enjoying time together. We thank you, Lord, for their young, beautiful hearts and just pray a special blessing on them this morning. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us. That was awesome. And so, uh, as you just heard, so my name is Keith and I have the great... Great privilege in honor of being the lead pastor here and one of the elders here at Trinity Bible Church. And as I mentioned, um, part of our core values is learning and growing and serving, and, and that's what we're all about because that's how we pursue discipleship. 
And uh, I love to preach through books of the Bible because I think that we are to go through the whole counsel of God to learn all about Him and about who we are in Him. And so we're going through the book of Colossians right now. And so in just a minute, we're going to get to that. So you can turn to uh, chapter 2 of Colossians if you have your Bible with you, or you can open your Bible app in whatever version you prefer. It'll be up on the screen for you as usual. Um, But before we do that, just a a few announcements, what we call church life, to get us caught up on on, uh, where we are, things that have been going on, and kind of what's coming up in the life at Trinity. Remember always, church, that that you can get our email updates and our text updates. Just go to our website, trinityallenwood.com. All of our information is on our website, but you can also sign up for the text updates uh, and also for our email list, our prayer email list, and just our regular email list so we have your information so we can all be on the same page, okay? What's going on? But just a few things to highlight. Um, the Angel Tree, we've mentioned that a few weeks ago, and that is our program we do this time every year as we ask people to volunteer to buy gifts for children who have a parent who's incarcerated. And uh, then we get the, the great privilege of being able to not only buy the gifts, but deliver them if you'd like. And so that's part of the, the ministry, um, uh, our ministry partner, uh, Deb Carver, and uh, who runs her ministry and prison ministry to the women. And so um, if you're interested, there's a sign up online, but also out in the lobby. So please make note of that. Uh, and then as you just heard, the, the kids were up here, and so um, the, the, um, the faithful workers for our children's ministry, Trinity Kids, they are working on a children's program, and so the kids are going to bless us at the end of December. It'll be on the, um, the 19th of December as part of our Sunday morning service. Our kids will bless us as part of that service and sing some songs and help us worship the newborn king. Amen. Isn't that exciting? And so... Um, uh, there was a letter that went out to all the parents of students, but if you missed that or if you are new and you have kids and you'd like them to join that, uh, just go to our website and you can get the information and see one of the, the, the teachers after church and let them know you're interested. But they are rehearsing every Wednesday night, so the, not this Wednesday, but starting the next Wednesday, every Wednesday night, they rehearse from 6.30 to 8, and so if you want to bring your kids or your grandkids to be a part of that, there's also uh, our Wednesday night Bible study that's here, and so you can your kids and then stay for that, which would be wonderful, but um, the, uh, the program will be part of the, the service on Sunday morning, December 19th, but the kids are rehearsing every Wednesday night, so pray for them, and that'll be a wonderful part of our, our service the week, the Sunday before Christmas, right? Um, community groups, we have combined our community groups. We have one larger group now. It meets on Tuesday nights, and um, they continue to, to meet together to encourage one another to study God's word, to pray for each other and support each other. And so our Tuesday night community group meets here at the church. Any more information, you can just go to our website again to get more info, but it's a wonderful way to get connected with people in a smaller group to learn more about yourself, about God, and about each other. And it's wonderful because it's more than what we can really do here on a Sunday in a larger group, right? And so it's I think it's an important part of the life of a, a Christian to do that in some way, and so we want to offer that. So Tuesday nights, they currently meet here at the church, right? So we all know where that is, and you're here, and so uh, consider making that a part of your, your week. Uh, but we also um, have different ways to get involved here and to give, and so the Lord calls us to live generously, and we have different ways to do that. Um, we have, oh, the information didn't show up, sorry about that, but we have uh, the annual uh, 
giveaway, and that is through one of our ministry partners, the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission. And if you want to write it down, again, it's all on our website, trinityallenwood.com, but this is November 20th. It's a Saturday, uh, and it's from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And you can go to their website. The, the link is on our site as well, but you can go to their website, Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, and sign up to volunteer because you do need to register to volunteer for that, okay? So if you're interested to help the rescue mission, it's up there in Asbury Park. Uh, it's a wonderful event. They get hundreds of people that come out, and they need lots of volunteers. So you can go right to their website to register to volunteer for that special event on November 20th, all right? More information to follow. But another way to, to live generously is to continue to give towards our uh, outreach in January down in Delaware with our missions ministry. And that's what that big box out in the entryway is for. And so it's for coats and hats and gloves and blankets and new socks. And so we continue to, um, to gather those donations so we can bring them down with us in, in January. So consider being a part of that outreach and part of the, um, the preparations for that. And if you'd like to give financially, we are as a church matching up to $2,500 in giving. So we're doing really well with that, but we'd love to continue to see that happen over the next couple of months, right? So keep that in mind as well. Uh, next Sunday, we have our Baptism Sunday, and so next Sunday will be a wonderful day of celebration in many ways, so that's November 7th, can you believe it? Because today is the last day of October, so next Sunday, November 7th, we have baptisms, and so if you're interested, there is still time, if you'd like to, to sign up for that, let me know. Um, and you can contact me, all my contact information is on a website, my, my info is at the Connection Center. But if you would like to be baptized, you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you want to uh, do publicly uh, you know, what the Lord says that we should do, then, um, then let me know, okay? We can be a part of that special service next Sunday. But of course, uh, it's the first Sunday of the month, so in addition to baptisms, we also have communion. We do that on the first Sunday of the month. We take that together as the family of Christ. And then uh, our fellowship lunch. So we're going to have one more barbecue. We want to fit in one more barbecue. And then, of course, during the winter months, we have uh, you know, our traditional potluck where everybody brings a meal. But next um, Sunday, we'll have one more barbecue and our hot dogs and hamburgers. And so feel free to bring a side dish to share. We get to all have a wonderful meal together after service. So it'll be a great day of celebration. We'll have baptism. And of course, communion, remembering the Lord's sacrifice, and then we will get to continue our time of fellowship and remembrance and celebration uh, around a table, enjoying some food together, right? So that's all next Sunday, November 7th. So now, um, I'm going to pray for us once again as we open God's Word, and um, we will open it up to Colossians chapter 2. Father, we thank you for your Word. You have spoken to us. You spoke this world into creation, into existence. You have, through your words, through language you have given us, you have spoken to us. But Father, we also recognize that you were so gracious to speak to us through the Lord Jesus, and you sent him to us over 2,000 years ago. He is the Word but we also have your written word to us. God, thank you for the Bible. Who you are, you have shown us um, 
who you desire that we are to be, but who we truly are in you. And so God, as we open your word now, um, God, use it to transform us from the inside out. We ask your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I love the change of seasons. Do you? I love the change of seasons. I mean, I guess except for the allergy part, because that does come along and uh, suffered with that just a bit recently. But I do love the change of seasons. And, and, and maybe, like me, fall is your favorite season. And I love fall. And I probably say that about every season when the snow comes. I'll say, ah, winter is my favorite season, right? But I love the change of seasons, and it's, it's part of the rhythms of life. And um, it, it just, it kind of, I think it kind of helps us to, um, uh, to just kind of understand a little bit more about how God works in our lives and the changes around us and how the change is a part of life, right? Isn't we said that change is the one constant in life? But aren't we so thankful that our God doesn't change and his word doesn't change? But we do get the blessing of the change of the seasons. And uh, there was one year where Claudia and I and our, and our kids, when they were younger, we lived in Florida. And we lived in southwest Florida and uh, where it's always hot, Right? And uh, it's wonderful in the winter down in southwest Florida. It's wonderful. It's like low 70s, no humidity. It's a little different in the summertime in southwest Florida, right? But then, you know, I realized, like, if you're going to live in a place like that, well, it's kind of like you either suffer through a winter here in New Jersey or a summer there in Florida because you're inside, right? But one of the things I did miss about living down there just for that one year was the change of the seasons, and you get so used to it, um, and maybe you don't even like, maybe you take it for granted a little bit, but I love it, and especially heading out of the summer into fall, and you see the, the leaves falling, and the, the beautiful colors, and the decorations, it's just, it's just beautiful, and, and um, I love that idea of the change of the seasons, but you know what? There are seasons in life beyond just what the weather does around us. We have seasons in life, don't we? Paul said that he, uh, was, he was able to learn the secret of how to be content in seasons of plenty or seasons of want. We go through seasons in our lives, you know, and there are times and seasons when we may uh, sense the Lord being really close and we're doing so well in our relationship with Him and, and everything seems to be good. And then there's seasons when then we just sense, you know what, things aren't right and things are different. And, and oftentimes we don't even know what brought it about. Do you get the sense that we're in a different season today? And I don't mean just the fall season. But we have individual seasons in our lives. What about corporately? What about as a society or even around the world? We have different seasons, don't we? There are times in society when there are great changes. I mean, things are always changing, as I said, but there just seems to be seasons in life together as a country, as a nation, even just as a society as a whole, where there, are, there seem to be greater changes, where things are changing even uh, to a greater degree or even more rapidly. Do you kind of feel that these days? And, but maybe we just can't put our finger on what it is. 
and what exactly is happening. And it's hard to just kind of put a label on it because we're all very complex people, aren't we? And, and, and life can be complex, and, and the world can be a lot more complex than just being able to say, oh, this is exactly what's happening. But when we turn to the Word of God, we then see how God's story develops. From Genesis to Revelation, we see there are seasons in the, in the, the, the life of the, the nation of Israel, there were seasons of obedience and seasons of disobedience with Jesus and his disciples there were seasons there were months there were weeks there were even years when when things were going better the disciples were getting it and walking and there were seasons when the disciples were more confused and you see we go through seasons just like the weather changes around us we have that idea but it seems now especially within the last few years Perhaps, at the very least, we've just become a little more aware of a different season. But you know, the Word of God speaks to this change of seasons and, and how we are to address this in our individual lives, but also as a greater society and as a people trying to live together in this world. And so last week, as we're going through the book of Colossians, we were looking at a, a section of Colossians chapter 2, but I wanted to double back and focus on just one verse. So our text today, church, is one simple verse, but so profound and deep that I think it's worth spending an extra week looking at it and unpacking it together. And you're going to see how it is that we are to be um, aware of the seasons around us. Jesus, Jesus told us that we should be aware of the seasons. And then we're going to listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say about that. Because Jesus did say to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, he said, you know, Pharisees, you, you can discern the weather, because they were all about understanding the weather for the crops and, and all that, and even reading into the signs of the weather changes like we might. But he says, but you can't determine the fact that I am here as king? You see, he's like, you're looking at all the wrong things, you're looking at all the changes around you, but you're taking your eye off the most important change, and Jesus was saying that was him. Because you remember, he came preaching the kingdom, and he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What he was saying was that I am at hand, I am here, Jesus was saying, because he was the king. You have a kingdom without a king, am I right? And so he says, I am here, the kingdom of God is at hand. But see, they didn't recognize him as the Messiah, that's why eventually they rejected him. And he accused them and said, boy, you can really read all the, you know, the weather around you and all these signs and everything, but you just can't see the most important seasonal change is that you had been waiting for your king and the king is here. And see, they had taken their eyes off of who that Messiah really was to be. So church, it's important, if nothing else, we remember we are to keep our eyes on Jesus. As everything around us continues to change, and even as it changes more rapidly, so that it can be even more confusing and perhaps even lead us to be a little fearful and confused, we say, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. And we'll be okay. You know, before we get to our Colossians verse, 
I want to read this to you, and you'll see why in a second. <clears throat> this is uh, an important passage for me in particular. I really was blessed last week, and Claudia and I were surprised. October kind of always catches us by surprise, and yes, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and it was what a blessing last week and then today to just be reminded of my calling. And I shared a little bit a week or two ago about what that looked like for me personally, and my calling in to be a minister of the gospel and then to come here to be a minister of the gospel. But you know, this passage is so important to me as a pastor because this is from 2 Timothy chapter 4. And if you remember the relationship that you between Paul, the Apostle Paul, and Timothy, Timothy was like Paul's protege. Timothy was a, a young pastor of a new church, and, and Paul was giving him a charge. In 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, part of the, the pastoral epistles, we call them, because Paul is telling Timothy, he's like saying, this is what you should do as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel. And so I want to pay special close attention to that, don't I? But look at what Paul says to young Timothy. He says, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, and look at what he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Stop right there for a second. Do you notice what he says? Preach the word of God when? In season and out of season, which means there will be different seasons. Times when it's easier to preach the word of God, when I have more freedom to do it, more people are willing to listen, and there will be seasons when people don't want to listen as much, when people don't want to hear the truth, whether it's here or from other, other teachers of the Word of God. There will be seasons when maybe it's, it becomes harder to preach the Word of God for many reasons. I have to remind myself, you know, I, I have been blessed. We have been, um, we have been in a very privileged position of favor in this country since its founding for the freedom to be able to preach the gospel and to exercise our faith. But you know what? I have to remember that there have been brothers and sisters in Christ for more than 2,000 years around the world who have never known half of the kind of freedoms that we have. Am I right? And so when they read these verses, which apply to everybody, every believer around the world for all of the last 2,000 years, or they're going to read something different into it, in season and out of season. Their seasons might look a lot different than how we interpret our seasons here. You see what I mean? So I think we're in a different season now. So I take this word very seriously. And he says, no matter what season you're in, in season, out of season, fall, spring, freedom, no freedom, People listening, people not listening. He is saying to Timothy, and I take this personally, he says, preach the word. Preach the word. That doesn't change because the message doesn't change. The mission doesn't change. Preach the word in season and out of season. But then he says why. And look at these next verses, church. For the time is coming 
when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Strong words from Paul to Timothy, aren't they? But you see what Paul said? That's not just happening now, it's been happening for a couple thousand years. Where he says to Timothy, you know what you're going to start to see? You're going to start to see people really kind of not wanting to hear the truth. Because the truth convicts you. And the truth can be an affront to you. And so he says what's going to happen is they're going to move away from the truth and people are not going to want to endure and listen to sound teaching. But what are they going to do instead? They're going to surround themselves because of their itching ear. Isn't that interesting the way he says that? People are going to surround themselves with teachers to suit their own passions. Lord, have mercy. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I'm thankful all the time for all of you and the opportunity week after week to preach the truth and for people that want to hear the truth. It's not my truth, it's the word of God. And Paul says, keep preaching it. Because what's naturally going to happen because of sin, people, even believers, people that mean well, are going to wander away from the truth because their ears are itching and they want to hear what makes them feel good. We have plenty of very large churches in this country and around the world filled with literally thousands of people every week not hearing the truth of the Scriptures. You know that? Not hearing the truth or not even, at the very least, hearing the full truth and what they're hearing just makes them feel good. It just kind of scratches that itch in their ear. And they surround themselves with it. You know, it's interesting, back in the day when, when uh, Paul wrote this, how would they do that? Maybe they would go from, from church to church or there'd be philosophers that would come into town, especially the Greek philosophers and that influence, and they would hear all these different speakers and these people talking about what they think life is all about. They say, well, that guy sounds good. Listen a little to that, and that sounds good. All of a sudden, they're creating their own image of who God is and who they are. But it's almost even easier today, isn't it? I mean, we can just, you know, a couple of clicks, and you can listen to people saying whatever you want to hear, no matter what subject it is. So is that good or bad? No. I, I think it can be neutral. I think it's the way we use it. It's the way we use it because what we are to do as Christians is grow in our maturity so that we are not deceived. It says many times in Paul uses that, that that we are not tossed to and fro like the waves of the sea and we, not, we are not to remain children who can be so um, um, vulnerable. But he says no. He says I don't want you to be like that. You have to stay in the word. You have to continue to grow so that know what the truth is when you hear a lie because we are prone to walk away from the truth so here's our verse for today we read it last week read it again today so paul says to the church in Colossae, remember it's a 
It's a young church. He didn't plant it. He never even met these people. And he starts the letter by saying, boy, you have great faith and everything, but just beware, because there was a heresy growing. It became known as Gnosticism, which is about special knowledge. See, About having some kind of special knowledge about the world and about us apart from God. Those are the key words, apart from God. So he's warning them, and he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. We're going to unpack that just briefly in our time left together today. See to it, Paul says, see to it. Which means we have to be intentional, church. Intentional about growing in our understanding of who Jesus truly is. Because you remember the, the false teaching that was going on here in this church that Paul was addressing was that the people were, were not understanding and, and you know what, falling away from the true uh, understanding of who Jesus was, that he is the Son of God. And they were starting to deny the deity of Christ. He was like, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. But he says, see to it. See here, see to it, make sure you do this. Be intentional about it. It's not going to just happen. You have to continue to learn about Jesus and get to know him better so that you'll recognize all of the false Christs. See? So he says, see to it. See to it that no one takes you captive, that no one steals you away, that no one hijacks you from the truth and how would they do that by philosophy and empty deceit so let's look at that for a moment what does it mean when he says philosophy you know what the word philosophy means it means the love of wisdom the love of wisdom now you know what church the love of wisdom is a good thing we should love wisdom uh, James tells us in James chapter 1, I think it's in verse 5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So philosophy is very simply the love of wisdom, and that can be a very good thing. But it has to be a godly wisdom. It has to be a, a wisdom that stems from God himself. You know, I'll pause right here and say this. The important principle to remember in any philosophy, in any worldview, in any religion that is um, out there, we have to say, where do we start? Whose word, listen, whose word are we going to start with? God's word or man's word? Do you start with God's word or man's word? If you start with man's word, you know where you're going to end up. You start with God's word, we know we'll end up. But oftentimes what happens is we might start with God's word, but then we try to take man's word and somehow make it fit and incorporate it. And then what you have is you have a false belief, a false doctrine, a false gospel. That's what was happening in, in this church that Paul was writing to. So philosophy is the love of wisdom, which is good. So we don't say all philosophy is bad. But again, we need to take it one by one and say, 
what does this particular philosophy or philosopher or religion have to say? And does it start with the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because any philosophy or, or other religion can say that it's based on God or they believe in God, but we Who's God? Is it the God of the Bible? See, so philosophy is okay and it's good but because it's the love of wisdom, but we have to love the wisdom that comes from God. So when James says, if you lack wisdom, where do we go? Ask God. But then he says, so don't be taken captive by any philosophy, and then he kind of qualifies it, empty deceit. What does it mean to be empty? It simply means without any content, without any substance. So he's seeing, he's saying, look, there are philosophies that might sound good and look good, but they're completely shallow. There's no substance or truth to it. So he says they are empty. But not only are they empty, but they are deceitful. See, now we're getting more to the heart of it. There can be an emptiness which maybe is not intended but he's saying, no, these are philosophies and, and worldviews and, and false religions that are not only empty, but they are deceitful. That word deceitful can also be um, interpreted like trickery, like there's an intention about deceiving you and tricking you. And most often, church, we are deceived by something that has some truth to it, but there's lie mixed in. There's untruth mixed in. Because that's the nature of deceit, isn't it? It makes us think one thing, but it's actually another. Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever watch TV late at night and watch those lovely infomercials? And you're like, I got to have that. And then you order it, and you're like, it's going to be the best thing ever. And you get it, and it doesn't even work. You can't even put it together. Right? Or you order something off of Amazon, it comes in the box, I didn't even order this. It looks like one thing on the outside, but on the inside, it's something completely different happens happens to the best of us so we know what it means to be deceived and so paul is saying please church to this church and to us today see to it be intentional don't let anybody else deceive you take you captive and bring you away from the true jesus the jesus of the bible the jesus who is god himself because anything else is empty and anything else is trying to deceive you. Because remember, we have an enemy who wants nothing more than to deceive us. We have an enemy who will do all that he can, a spiritual enemy, who will do all he can to put anything in our path that seems like, you know what, that'll itch that tickle in my ear. Let me listen to that. That makes me feel good. That sounds right. Because he wants to deceive us. But then Paul qualifies it even more in the way that only Paul can. And he says, according to human tradition. So now he's kind of qualifying, saying, this is what I mean. These are the things that are empty and deceitful. Things that are according to human tradition. And very simply, it means it is man-centered, it is human-centered, it is self-centered and not God-centered. You see that? That's why I say, where do we start, with God's word or man's word? You, you can use that test, that simple test, for any philosophy or other religion. Are we starting with the true God? Or are we starting with what we think? Is it human-centered? What we call that in philosophical terms is relativism. Did you ever hear that? 
Relativism means it's all relative, which means there is no absolute truth. That's what relativism teaches. You know, you can go online and Google it and look at all the isms. There's all kinds of isms out there, right? Relativism is sort of an overarching term to just mean the disbelief in absolute truth. So relativism would say, as as a philosophical understanding of the world, is that the Bible can't be true, or it can be true for you, but it's not true for me. Church, all truth is God's truth. See, all truth is God's truth. If it's true, truth. See what I mean? All truth, properly defined, is God's truth. So relativism says, oh, that's true for you, but that's not true for me. Because relativism then says truth is based on context. It's based on your culture. It's based on the color of your skin. It's based on your ethnicity. It's based on where you live. It's based on your relationships. Truth is based on your gender. See, that's relativism. It's not starting with God's word. It's often we can see under relativism would be called secular humanism. There's another ism, humanism. And I think that's pretty simple to understand, isn't it? Who would be at the center of the humanistic or the philosophy of humanism? Me, right? Humanism. That the universe revolves around me, around us, and not around God, the one who made it. So secular humanism feeds into relativism. It's a man-centered universe and not a God-centered universe. This kind of took root in the Renaissance area, the Renaissance um, um, era of human history, where man's achievements in the arts and in sciences were really renowned. And they began to move away even from the teachings of the church at the time, the one church, the Roman Catholic Church, up until the Reformation of the 1500s. They were moving away from the teachings of that, but also away then from the Bible as authority. See? Let me put it this way. Think of it this way in, in, in uh, context. Authority has always been under attack. Authority has always been the heart of the issue. You remember way back in Genesis, we read about what happened in the Garden of Eden. Remember that God gave Adam and Eve, right? One simple rule. One simple rule that they could not follow. He said, all except this one tree. Do not eat of it. Because if you do, you'll surely die. And so along comes the little snake, the serpent. We know who that was. That was Satan, God's adversary, our adversary. And he comes along and he starts to speak. See the power of words? He starts to speak words to Eve and then, of course, to Adam. And he says, how you doing there, Eve? How are things? Good, good. And he says, what's going on? What did God tell you? Oh, he said we can have all this, but we just can't eat. This one tree will surely die. And what does Satan then say? In the words, did God really say? Did God really say? And from that time, the word of God 
Jesus himself, word manifest in flesh, and the word of God, the holy Bible that we have, God's revelation to us, has always been under attack. Who's the authority in your life? Is it you or is it God? See that? From that time on, throughout all of human history, it's always been about who has authority in my life. Is it God or is it me? So any other philosophy or, or attempt to understand the world around us, any other religion that has developed, does it start with the true God of the universe, the God of the Bible, or does it start with us? Is it human-centered or God-centered? Because authority in our lives, authority in this world is always going to be questioned. And it all started with that seed of doubt and the power of words. Did God really say? And then we have had so much confusion over the word of God throughout those, those millennia, those thousands of years. What did God really say? Oh, the Bible says this. Does it really say that? Now the Bible contradicts itself. See, the word of God, you, you can't, it can't be true. Like It teaches some good things. And Jesus, yeah, he was a good teacher, like a good rabbi, and he loved the poor people, and he wanted peace. You know, Jesus, he wanted peace, right? And so everybody can adopt Jesus into their lives in some way because he was a good teacher, right, and, and a good rabbi, and he was all about peace and love, wasn't he, and, and, the, and the poor and the helpless. And yes, he was, but he also claimed to be God, didn't he? And see, this church that Paul was writing to was straying away from that. They're like, well, we got Jesus, but, but you know, he's, he's not really enough. We got these other things that we think are important. And Paul is saying, you're taking your eyes off of Jesus because he is God himself in the flesh. You see, so it's so important that we understand that philosophies, when Paul says they're empty and deceitful, they're just that. Shallow, without content, without truth, and they are meant to deceive us and to take us away, to take us captive, Paul says, to hijack us from the one true God. So he says, according to human tradition, anything that is, does not start with God. Secular humanism, we see it, it, its rise in the Renaissance, that men and women are beginning to, to uh, great, um, create great achievements and great strides in science and the arts and saying, now we understand how the world works. It's not God and, and the Bible. We see how it was. You see the rise of things like evolution. You see, wherever there is a truth, wherever there is something that God creates, Satan, our enemy, wants to have his own version and so we see in, the, in Genesis, what did we see when we studied Genesis? God created. So what's taught in our schools, and what did we even maybe grow up to, to hear and believe? Now, evolution. See, Satan wants to have his own version. God's not the creator. It's evolution. Oh, we can figure it out. See, it's scientific. Well, what about the days of creation? Well, they couldn't have been like literal days. That's impossible because somehow we have to account for all the millions of years. And so therefore, we create a gap theory between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. There was a God created, then there was millions of years, and then people. See? Because all it is, church, simply, we can go on and on and on. God creates male and female, Satan then begins to lie. You can choose your own. It's not even just male and female. You don't have to be a gender. You can be genderless and create your own gender. 
God creates marriage between men and women, and, and Satan creates that lie. Marriage isn't important. Just live together. Do you see what I'm saying? That Satan always wants to have his own version. God set up a kingdom on this earth, and he said, Adam and Eve, you have to You are my ambassadors. You are my ambassadors for this kingdom on this earth. And Satan comes along and usurps that authority. See that? God gave authority over this world and Satan comes along and says, it's mine. So God made a promise, one day I'll send a redeemer and I'll reclaim it. Until then, Satan, who we know is called the prince and the power of the air, the God of this age, small g, he has a lot of power and authority, but God is always sovereign. Amen. So one day, there must be a kingdom on this earth so Jesus, the rightful ruler, can come and reign. See? Because Satan never wins in the end. But everything in between is really meant to be deceitful and empty. And it all started with Satan's love to Adam and Eve. And so as we continue to make great strides in technology and the medical field, all these things that can be so beneficial to us, and we are so blessed to have, let's just make sure we don't take our eyes off of Jesus. Because those things are not replacing our God, you see? We don't take all of that and try to somehow squeeze it into the Bible. Well, I, I guess... This is millions of years old, so somehow we have to reconcile that to the Bible. Or, I guess God didn't really mean this or that when he said it, because we people have discovered what is really true, so therefore God must have meant this. Do you see the problem? You see the problem there, church? That's what starts to happen. And then you get what's happening in this church in Colossae, which is amazing, isn't it? Because we're 2,000 years on from this, and this was like the first generation of Christians. And they already had that problem. It's been going on. And so we have relativism. And we can go on about that. If you heard about critical race theory, go look that up. It's a teaching that is probably within the last hundred years or so. That what is it all about? It's about putting labels on us. It's about calling people oppressors and oppressed. It's saying you're in this group and you're in this group. When what does God say? We're all created in the image of God, aren't we? We are all His. You see, no matter what it is, no matter what that philosophy is, we check it against the Bible. We filter it through the Word of God to say, wait, is this God-centered or man-centered? Is this God's understanding and the way God has revealed how, who we are, how we operate, how we think and act, and how this world operates together? Or is it based on what we think we're discovering? See, as we continue to learn more about the world around us, science, medicine, even technology, will eventually catch up with Scripture. It's not the other way around, see? God's Word comes first. But what about this? According to the elemental spirits of the world, and we'll, we'll close in a minute or two. The ele- Do you believe me when I say we'll end in a minute or two? No, don't believe me. It goes like this. <clears throat> According to the elemental spirits of the world, it's kind of weird, right? There is some debate about what this really means. It goes way beyond my, my pay grade here, but it says the elemental spirits of the world. It it's probably has a dual meaning, is what I do think, but 
elemental spirits of the world, it could mean that word elemental. It, in the Greek, it, it kind of means like having all your ducks in a row. It could mean like soldiers lining up in a row, or it, it had been used to kind of describe language in the alphabet, because you got A, B, C, D, like all the letters in a row. The idea could be elemental, just meaning like rudimentary, basic, like stuff that's just like what we're not growing in our knowledge of the Lord. It's just like very worldly, we, could, we might say. But also elemental spirits elsewhere in the New Testament especially refer to demonic activity. You know that? Elemental spirits. I don't mean like ghosts and stuff. I mean like, I mean like the deceit of the evil one is what I'm saying. And it, I think that goes probably more so with the context here when Paul says, don't be deceived by these philosophies in empty deceit. Like the things are the, according to the elemental spirits of the world. Remember, it's not according to God. So he's like, the things that the enemy wants you to believe, to kind of keep you under his thumb. So you're not growing in your understanding of God. You're just saying, okay, I guess this, I guess this is how the world works. But not learning more about God. It's just kind of staying right there under the thumb of, of our enemy. See what I mean? When, when Paul is saying, according to the elemental spirits of this world. And then finally, well, and that's where I would say a philosophy like existentialism. Did you ever hear that word? Existentialism. So you got relativism, means there's no absolute truth. Existentialism is just a fancy way of saying like the human experience, our existence, which means this, and this is important too, that I want to take just a second to clarify that. Existentialism as a, um, uh, um, an area of philosophy is simply that Truth is based on how you feel it to be, on your experience. How does that affect the church? It's when we think we understand God based upon our experience. It's like, wow, I, I really met with God today in worship because I just felt Him. I was so emotional. Are our emotions part of it? God created our emotions. We can bring our emotions in our worship. But we just can't start trying to understand God and define God apart from his word based upon our emotions and how we feel. You see that? There's so much more I could say about that. It's like when we say, I don't feel God is near me. I think there's a lot more that we mean to that. But existentialism is just like it's based or it has to do with our existence. Because elsewhere, uh, Paul says, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wicked spirits in high places. They're philosophies that Paul describes in 2 Timothy, the doctrines of demons. And uh, a real quick note, when it comes to Christian doctrine, there was maybe 60, 75 years ago, there was a thinking we might call it neo-orthodoxy with some scholars and theologians that were basically trying to say, the, listen, the Bible becomes true as you experience it. Do you see the danger of that? That kind of sounds all right. But what that's saying in essence is that the Bible itself is not absolutely true. It only becomes true as I feel it to be. Do you see the problem? It's all about me. You see that? If we don't have an absolute truth in God or his word, then our ground becomes shifting sand underneath us. Right? And finally, to wrap it up, what does he say? 
and not according to Christ. That, that's the, the key right there. That all these things are saying they're not according to Christ. And why? Because he was telling this church, and he tells us today, Paul does, that we have all that we need in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? He's saying you don't need to go searching for other philosophies or try to take other religions and add if it's taking you away from the true Jesus Christ. Right? We have to be careful. It starts with the word of God and not the word of humans. That's where it starts. And where do we go from there? With the word of God? Then it comes down to Christian conscience. It comes down to your ability to discern. It means wisdom. Again, it's going back to having wisdom. Discernment is such a key part of being a follower of Christ, isn't it? Discernment, meaning you are able to discern truth from a lie. How do we get to that point? Pastor Keith, how do I get to be more discerning about what's going on around me? How do I get to be more discerning about what's going inside of my heart? Get closer to Jesus. Don't take your eyes off of him. You open the word of God to see what God has to say and not what man has to say. So we're not then easily deceived. We become more discerning. See, that's kind of the opposite, deception or discernment. We want to be not deceived, but discerning. And it all starts with the Word of God. Can I ask you to stand? I want to stand and close with this. Here's why this is so important. And we read this last week. This is, listen, this is what Paul says right after this verse. When he said to it that you're not taken captive by philosophy and empty deception, that and not according to Why? Why does he say not according to the next verse? He said, for in him the whole dwells by and you have been filled who is the head of all rule and authority. He's saying you have everything that you need in Jesus. You so we don't searching for something our lives, the depths, riches of being in Jesus. You see that? We don't have to look elsewhere. We have all Christ. To go look elsewhere to be deceived. We just need to plumb the depths of the riches of Jesus Christ Himself, because in Him is the whole fullness of God. Jesus said, "If you have seen Me, you have seen the Father." Amen. Let's close our time by worshiping that God we serve. Amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. My rock.
know that you're there no matter what we feel God that your word tells us that you were you are and you are to come God because no matter what we feel no matter what the world tells us you are our truth you are our king our Lord and you are our God and no matter what this week brings God we will lean on you Lord I need you Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense. My one defense. My righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. In Jesus' name we sing those words. Amen. Amen.
Bye.